Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. about the conditions of the heart and if the heart's not ready you know it could just bounce right off music and worship has a wonderful way of preparing our heart come on just for a moment take whatever posture you want some of you lift your hands some of you lay hands on your own heart just ask God to talk with you I'm going to preach a message continue part two which is really finishing part one so we're just calling it part two healing wounded and broken relationships it is a powerful powerful pastoral word and the devil would love for you to be distracted on your phone, Snapchat, Instagram Facebook, would love for you just to be texting Bubba Gump or whoever you're texting and miss out on everything I'm about to teach you, it's a word that will change your life and help you help you with your children, help you with your wife, your husband, help you we need help in relationships. Most of us didn't have it modeled how to have a good one. And so honestly, we have to learn how to do that. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know I didn't know how to be a father. I, I'm thankful for my family and that which was right and good, but there was a lot of that wasn't so right and wasn't so good. There were some things I didn't want to bring forward into my family. I wanted, I, I saw godly families for generations that served the Lord on the joy, on the marriage of 30 and 40 years and 50 years. I saw kids that, that honored their parents and, and walked in favor and blessing. I thought, I want that. I want that. I don't want the, I'm not doing the divorce thing. I'm, I'm okay. I, I want the blessing of God on my marriage. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people don't understand that you can have that. God is not ordered for you to be tormented and perplexed and confused and have strife and have a broken marriage and broken kids. That's a curse. That's a curse. The blessing of God, oh, is down to a thousand generations and he adds no trouble to it. But you have to learn how to walk in it. You have to learn how to fight for it. You have to learn how to control your mouth. Some of you need to suck on a bar of soap. Proverbs 18. Thank you, O anointed one. Proverbs 18, 19. Going to review. How many of you were here on Friday night? Well, I might spend a little bit of time reviewing then, and uh, some of you need to hear it again anyway. Proverbs 18. If you're all there, say, Woo! All right. Again, I want to welcome. Kayala's brother, Kavai, we're so glad you're here. Just moved here. You've heard from God. I said you heard from God. And you will see manifest favor over this next week and the week after and the week after. You're going to see things just quickly pop. We've had people that have moved here from different places, Hawaii, but beyond that, and it just seems like they just couldn't get unstuck. That's not you. Your rails are greased. God's going to release great favor for work and everything that you need. And your deepest heart's desire will be fulfilled in this next season. I'm going to do it. You've been led by the Lord. You have. And we're really glad you're here. Would you put your hands together for that fine young man? He is single, by the way. Uh, uh, so um, if there's any eligible ladies... You want to meet him, good-looking kid, loves God, comes from a great family. Ladies, new single man in the house. Okay. I think the church is a good place to find. <laughs> I saw somebody in the back. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Proverbs. Welcome to Kings. We're so glad you're here. Proverbs 18, find verse 19. It's the key text, but I'm going to look at a lot of different scripture. I'm not going to preach real long to you, uh, but I endeavor to preach real strong to you. Stand up on your feet, Proverbs. Why don't we stand up? Because we're just honoring God's word. That's all. If you're not able to stand up, I understand. You don't want to. You're rebellious. We can deal with that later. Uh, amen. Proverbs 18. <laughs> you guys aren't laughing at that. 
Proverbs 18, verse 19. A brother of, I didn't offend you just now, did I? All right, he is single, that's not offensive. All right, good, very good. Very good. His number is 808. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry, teasing on you. I love you, bro. Okay, Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And the contentions and contentions are like bars of a castle. Lord, move in power in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're talking about how to restore a wounded or broken relationship. And I want to say in the onset that wounding happens first before it's broken. There are instances, there are instances where you know, a bomb takes place and then the relationship is broken. But more often than not, there's continual woundings that take place before finally like, that's it, I'm done. Before the, the break, the, the, the real broken spirit and separated and we don't talk anymore, it's usually a wounding that takes place first. And so to recognize when a relationship is wounded is very, very key. I have a Christmas cactus at my house that is extremely neglected up until recent weeks as I walk through the COVID nightmare. I, well, I felt like my Christmas cactus. I looked over at it and I'm like, it needs love. <laughs> and uh, there was another plant behind it that was nearly dead. Its turgor pressure was extremely low. I, I began to water it. And uh, you know what happened over, over the, the weeks that I was trapped in my house is that thing just popped alive and bloomed a whole bunch of blossoms. And I have, I mean, just dozens of them came out. And I, I've been picking them off, and I put them in a little uh, crystal bowl with water for my wife to gaze at and remind her of how awesome I am. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But how many of you know that it's good to give flowers to your loved ones, I, I, a man or a woman, I, I really, it's a beautiful thing. And so I, I thought, man, that thing hasn't produced flowers in the longest time. And I, and I was like, the Lord's like, yeah, you, you, you totally ignored it. I mean, it's like newly dead, son. Somebody said, well, that's actually how you make flowers with a Christmas cactus, is you starve it out for a little bit and you feed it. And I, I, under, I, I know that. Relationships are like my Christmas cactus. What do you mean? If, if you don't water it, you don't tend it, you don't care for it, you don't, you don't put, you don't, come on, some plants need some food, man. Come on, you have to eat. Some of you, maybe you should fast, but, but, but I mean, it, <laughs> you have to feed that plant. You have to feed relationships. It's very, very important. Relationships can be injured, injured at, at different levels. All right, the review, four signs that you have a wounded relationship, and you want to write this in the very spacious notes I gave you, which are by design. My beloved daughter, Hannah, said, Dad, your notes are like, oh, gosh, there's so much on there. Can you just give some more space? And the truth is, it's, I didn't listen to her so much, but I did remember she said that. And when I fought with a demon in word, I decided that we'll just make some space and stop fighting with it. And so here you go. Number one, four signs of a wounded relationship. Number one, they're closed off. What do you mean? They're no longer receptive to you. There's just, there's just not an openness. Eye contact is minimal. Um, they, you have to pay attention to some of these signs. Four signs that you have a wounded relationship in your life. You go to put your arm around your teenage daughter. How do you know that? Because I, I, I did this. So there's Hannah, and I go to love on her, and she's like, turn Turns her back. No, thanks. What's the matter? Oh, I don't feel like it right now. Why? Because I've hurt her. I've wounded her somehow. And then when there would be a, a closing off, you know, you, you, you look to resolve that. And we'll talk about resolving those problems. But, but minimal eye contact, they're closed off. They're not as open as they were. There's not this warmth between you. You know, they don't look shining over. Your husband's not looking at you shimmering. And she definitely ain't shimmering at you. She's just kind of like, Closed off. You got a problem. Everybody say Houston, you have a problem. You see, yeah. Number two, being guarded, being guarded, unwilling to share. They're they're not. People are not as open. You start seeing these kind of things. That's an indication that you have a wounded relationship. 
If people are guarded, they used to, they used to share openly with you and, and talk and laugh. Now there's no more laughter. Now there's, there's hardly any talk. Not nearly as much. It's an indication that there's, there's wounding. Strained communication. They're constantly defensive. So you start talking like, what? They snap back at you. There's a problem. How many of you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You've got four honest people in the room. They resist touch, which I kind of talked about a little bit, but I've, I, I've seen it certainly, certainly with Pastor Karen when I've done something foolish and I reach to take her hand and she's like, no thanks. I'm like, uh, was something wrong? Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know. Guys, you know, you pray for a word of, the word of knowledge because that really help you at times when you've done something and, and you don't know what it is. Just ask God to show you. And, and try to track back to a time when you did something that made your spouse, your wife, not feel loved. You go back and repent. So I'm always the one that repents. Yes, you're the leader of your household. You're going to be the first one to repent. Welcome to being a husband. So that's not funny, Pastor, because I have to repent. Yeah, the ladies have to repent too, but I have found that more often than not, it's probably because I make more mistakes than my wife does. Anyway, that'll help me for later on when I get home. Come on, somebody say amen. Resisting touch. There are things that are obvious, and, and sometimes people are clueless. They're just not sensitive. You know, we have so many screens and so much going on, and the election and the finances and on and on and on, and we can get, we can get disconnected from each other, and the signs of a wounded relationship are clear in front of us and not see it. That's why it's so important to pray. If I could just begin to give you some solutions. You spend time with God, your eyes will be open to what's going on. And again, wounded relationships happen before they're broken. And when a relationship is broken, that requires a special skill and a very much of a concerted effort to heal that broken relationship. It's not as easy to heal. Listen, the woundings, woundings usually start before the break. All right, look at Roman numeral two. The power of our speech in relationships. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the... The tongue. Somebody say, I can kill stuff with my words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can make things live with your words. Either you're going to be on God's building crew or you're going to be on the devil's wrecking crew. It's up to you to choose which one. Your, our words are, can be so hurtful or so encouraging. My wife is one of the greatest encouragers I know. She is. She's just constantly saying, hey, woman of God, hey, world changer, you can make it. God is good. She's constantly speaking life. I, I'm a recipient of that at home, and I'm so grateful. Some of you think I'm going to crack a joke right now, but I'm not. She is. She's, a, she's encouraging. She's a great encourager, and I've at times been not such a great encourager. But as our words are important, the most common way to wound a relationship is through your words. Proverbs 15.4, a Wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but, a per, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Think about that, Proverbs 15, 4. Perversity in your mouth will break a person's spirit. I've said some hurtful things that, that, that you know, you can't take them back. I mean, you can repent, but, but some people have a memory that goes for decades and decades. Some people. Perverseness is, is not being straight, not pure, corrupt speech. Turn to Ephesians 4. Oh, I've got to hurry if I'm going to get on to the new stuff, and I really want to. Ephesians 4 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary for education, that it may impart, impart. Everybody say impart. Impart grace to the hearers and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word. Some of you need to memorize this because you got a whole bunch of corrupt things coming out of your mouth. I'm just, you're just like a, a well of bitterness. It's because you're usually, it's because we're broken on the inside and, and we really just, we struggle with things. And, and as a result, if you're not healed on the inside, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So somebody that's really, and I'll talk about some forms of corrupt or perverse speech in just a moment. But you have to learn to curb that. Come on, someone say, Lord, help me shut my mouth. 
Lord, help me. Shut my mouth. James says the man who's in control of his tongue is in control of his entire being. I think the opposite of that is also true, that if somebody can't control their mouth, control their words, that they're not in control of other things either. Five forms of corrupt speech, unfair criticism. First of all, let me just tell you, don't put always in any sentence. You always, no, people don't always do anything, usually. Don't put blanket statements on, you always do that. That's an accusatory, critical, critical speech that brings, it's unfair criticism. I, I, got, I got some constructive criticism as different. I got some constructive criticism from Pastor Karen after my first service at 9 o'clock. She said, you need to change the way you say that a little bit. It's not quite coming out right. And uh, it kind of sounded like, you know, and then she, I'm not even going to repeat what it sounded like because it was, it was terrible, terrible if it did sound that way. And I just said, oh, that's terrible, God forgive me. But I got another shot at the 11 o'clock. So when they, when, they, uh, when they wanted me to, when they asked me, I think I got it right, when they asked me, do we, do we, do we put the 11 or the 9 o'clock on YouTube? 11. Why is that? Because the 9 might have had a bend in it. See, but so I want to hear the 9. Well, you should have come at 9 o'clock because we're not going to say the 9. We should delete it off of Facebook. Would you help me do that now, right now? Just blank that thing. Nine, the nine. Say goodbye. Nine o'clock. All right, thanks so much. Wave wildly when you're done. Quickly before people go and try to save it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, the problem with preaching these days is it goes everywhere. It's global. It's instant. And it's forever. Once you let that bag of cats out, boy, I'll tell you what, you're going to, yeah. Unfair criticism. These are five forms of corrupt speech. Unfair criticism. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Somebody said, I have a gift of sarcasm. Well, actually, that indicates you're bitter. Sarcasm is an indicate. Sarcasm. I'm not feeling the love, so I'm coming down a little bit closer. Sarcasm. <laughs> it's insulting people. It's insulting people. Nice braids, Pastor Vince. Look, he doesn't have braids, and I'm tying into a joke that happened in a leader meeting before. And, and he can handle it. He's from Cleveland. But it's still, when you use sarcasm to talk about people and at people's expense, make a joke, make fun, it hurts people. It's not good. It's insulting. Some people, some people think it's just, man, I've got the most incredible gift of sorry. It's not, it can be funny, but it's at other people's expense, and really it's not funny at all. It hurts people. How many of you ever been the, the, at the blunt end of sarcasm? Coarse joking. It's jokes about people's faults. It's using irony to mock or convey contempt. Not funny. It's not funny. Coarse joking hurts people. Joking at people's expense, it wounds them. And by the way, it breaks and wounds relationship. So if you're constantly coarse joking, and some of you are like tit for tat, you go back and forth, and you just do that with each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're all witty like that. Yeah. But you'll find that actually that it breeds, it breeds a lack of trust in that relationship. And you might be snapping back and forth, and it's all funny, bum, 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 bum. nice hair, nice face. You're ugly. You're fat. Well, I can lose weight, and you're still ugly. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> it brings a wounding. It's not funny. Coarse joking is not funny. Don't go try to use that joke. That's not funny. You can hurt people. Coarse joking. Anger with rejection is, is, is contempt. Um, pardon me, is, is corrupt. It's corrupt speech. When you use anger with rejection. Now, there's nothing wrong with being angry. The Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. So it, I think it's okay to get angry, but you've got to temper that. And, and you have to process it. And you should put a time limit on it. Don't let your son go down in your wrath. Some of you, like, came out of the womb and you're angry. It's like generational anger. Anger with rejection hurts people. Anybody else been hurt besides me through people's anger? 
And oh God, I've hurt I've hurt people with mine at times. And I I'm way better. You should have seen me years ago. I've improved. I've hurt my kids with anger. And uh, there's times when I was so wounded in the area of my identity in Christ that if I felt disrespected, I took it so personally that I would come right off the chain. Does anybody understand? Listen, respect is one of the number one things for a man. You ask a man if he wants respect or love, he's going to tell you respect every day. I I want respect. I want honor. It's not that that's not love, but you understand. And when a man feels disrespected, it has a way of just really flipping over his apple cart. And if you're not really settled and feeling the and knowing your place and your honor with God and who you are in Christ, and you're not healed, you can have many men release anger. And really, anger can be a cover for hurt, which is a whole nother message. Being condescending, that's self-exalting. These are five forms of corrupt speech. Unfair criticism, sarcasm, coarse joking, anger. Number five, in that big space you have. Being condescending, self-exalting, having or showing a feeling of patronizing for superiority. Older, Older folks have a tendency to patronize and to be condescending to youth. And I'll tell you, it doesn't help them mature. That, that's not going to help them. I, I've done it. I've done it. I said, and I've sent it in moments of frustration to my 16-year-old. It's hard to be 16 and know everything, huh? It's also true. It is hard to be 16 and know everything. It's, it's kind of a joke because 16-year-olds, actually, their synapses in their mind are not connected yet. So if you're thinking they're acting a little crazy, it's true. And if you can just toe the line as they go through 13, 14, 15, 16, you hope at about 17 things start coming together. And if you've done it right, they come and repent. I said they come and repent. They're like, I was such a jerk. You're like, I know, I forgive you, I've forgiven you already. Move forward. Be careful with your words and be diligent to repair any damage um, that you cause with your words. I can't tell you how many, I, I'm just, I'm being honest with you. I, I, I failed as a father in certain ways because I just, I, I didn't control my speech as much as I should. I don't want you to, I don't want you to think it's something that it isn't. It's not, a, you know, an abuser with my mouth and just lambasting and lashing and screaming and freaking out. That's not what I was. But there was at times an anger that brought a wounding. I can't tell you how many times I've had to repent. I'm all repented up. Yep, I'm good. How about you? If you've wounded, when you wound, when, I said when, when you wound your children. You know, I saw this um, I saw this meme that was like, it made me mad. I actually never comment on that stuff, but in this case, I did. It was a meme of, of uh, pastor's kids. And it was a meme where the pastor's kid's in church, and he's standing there, and, a, you know, pastor kid then, and then pastor kid now. And the pastor kid now is a picture of a defiled kid that was on drugs. And I thought, that's because it's a stupid pastor. See, what do you mean by that? If you don't learn to repent, now I know the devil comes and you can be the perfect leader or perfect pastor or perfect parent or perfect father, perfect mother as best you can before the Lord. And kids can still choose to go the wrong way. You can't control them. But you can give them odds of success. You can, you can build a life of a moral warehouse with the word of God. And you can, you can train them to live a life of repentance. You know how? By you living a life of repentance. By you repenting when you're a fool. And you, and you didn't keep your word. And you said you're going to go home and play ball. And you didn't. And then you realize and your wife tells you, you said you're going to play ball. And you're like, oh, God, would you forgive me? Let's go play ball. You want to do something else. You've got to do something, but you gave your word. So you go back, you repent, go out, shoot, throw the rock around a little bit. Rock is another word for basketball. Okay. You keep your word and you repent for not following through. You repent for when you were angry and you lost it or when you were irritated or when you didn't, when you didn't do what should have been done right. And I'm not even talking about big, blown up, crazy sin. Repent for that too. 
Because if you don't, that wounded relationship is going to end up a broken relationship. And then you will put and impart into them, not grace, as it says in Ephesians. You'll impart to them a defiled spirit that doesn't know how to live a life of healthy relationships. They, they'll live out the anger that you imparted to them for the 15, 20 20 years or whatever they were in your home. And then you see it manifested in their life and you're like, how could they be like that? You were like that their whole life and you never repented, you never changed. You allow for corrupt speech. I'm preaching way better than you're amening. I'm coming right back in a second. Amen, pastor. Oh, I'm not gonna let, I'm not gonna grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna let corrupt speech come out of my mouth. God, I'm sorry. Some of you need to repent right now. Not feeling the love, just raise your hands and say, Zippity doo da, zippity a. My oh my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine coming my way. Zippity doo da, zip. Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. All right, now that you feel better, let's get back into conviction. <laughs> Complaining. Stop. Complaining. Stop magnifying your molehills because you're making them into mountains. Start speaking life. How about the fact that you were going to hell, you moron? Stop it. Start being grateful. If you read through and you see how people can, you know, the sit in the way of the scoffer. What is that? Proverbs. Where's Pastor Vince? Proverbs. Hit him for me, will you? <laughs> Proverbs. It's in Proverbs somewhere. Let's sit in the seat of the scoffer. What is that? Proverbs what? Thanks. Psalms 1. I was closer right next to each other. Psalms and Proverbs. Turn there. Turn. Turn there. Turn there. Someone. Someone. Uh, Job. No. Psalms. Ah, here we go. Bless, watch this. Blessed is a man who does not. <laughs> blessed is, you know, it's a hard thing when you're reading the word and you got like five versions going through your head. Let's just concentrate. New King James. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinners, nor, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That is a progression. It's a progression. You can go to Romans and see. People that are ungrateful end up becoming idolaters. You, you can look at Romans 1 and see this progression. This is a progression right here. If you sit in the counsel of the ungodly, soon you're going to be in the path of sinners. And before you know it, you're going to sit in the seat of the scornful. So if you are a complainer, you've got to stop. Turn. You guys are looking at me like, like you're not hearing anything. I'm not hearing, I'm not listening right now. But turn to 1 Corinthians and let me just punch you in the throat with this right now. You're like, yeah, punch me in the throat. I'm ready. 1 Corinthians or, or 2 Corinthians 10. First or second? Thanks, you're awesome. Oh, scholarly one. Second. Galatians. No, I'm just kidding. Second, fourth, Hezekiah. Negative. Uh, First Corinthians. I love you. I forgive you. We're not wounded. It's okay. Complainers. First Corinthians. You're awesome. First Corinthians 10.10. 10. Watch this. Oh, I'm going to back up to verse 6. Now these things become our examples. Now he's talking about the Old Testament and all the things that they did that caused beatings and how they forfeited the promised land to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and became idolaters as some of them were. And as it is written, the people sat down, they ate, drank, it rose up to play. Nor let us, verse 8, commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Look at verse 10. Nor complain or murmur as some of them also complained and were destroyed 
by the destroyer. Literally, complaining in your relationships release a death on your relationship. Now, I'm going to read you some of these scripture. What time? It's 7.08, and there's nothing on Netflix. It's worth watching. These uh, are relation, relating to, here in Proverbs, women. But in actual fact, it's all of us, okay? So I'm not picking on women. I am reading Proverbs and it's very important to understand that it applies to all of us, men, women, and children. All the children say, hey. A lot of kids out there. <laughs> Proverbs 12, uh, 21. Listen, underline these. These will help you. Proverbs 21, 19. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious, angry woman. Uh, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious, angry man. Better to dwell in the wilderness with a contentious and angry child. All of us. You don't want to be contentious and angry. Nobody wants to be around. I don't know why they'd want to hang out with you. How comes you? Maybe because you're Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Corrupt Mouth. You're constantly complaining. Who wants to be around a complainer? I had somebody in my church years ago, and they said, nobody wants to be in my group. I said, that's because you're mean. What are you talking about? I'm just like you. We're both from the East Coast. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And we got along great because she'd just say, you know something, Pastor? Blah, 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 blah. She'd just tell me. I said, well, yeah, thanks. I'm like, all right, great. And so she says to me, nobody wants to come to my group. I says, it's because you're angry and mean. I am? Yeah. I wouldn't want to come to your group. You need to get sweet. <laughs> like, what are you angry about? Barking at people. You're like, you know, constantly correcting everybody. How many of you know people that just feel like they're the fourth part of the Trinity? Hey, you need to. You look to Actually, she's a great, great woman of God, an intercessor. But there was, and she's in heaven. <laughs> Love you. But, but nobody wanted to be in her group. Why? It was, in, it was stressful. You'd be like, Pastor, that's how I feel in my family. Yeah, well, better work it out because you can't leave your family. Amen. Look at, look at Proverbs 17, 1. Better is a dry crust of bread. I like saying it that way. Better is burnt toast and quietness. It's a bracken version. It actually says, better a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. It sounds like you have some experience there. <laughs> I just want to have my burnt toast. I don't want to be a part of that. I just want to go outside and get some peace. Yeah. All right. Just give me my burn grits, but don't give me the strife. Wow. Proverbs 19, 13, you can go read that. Proverbs 14, 1. All right, biblical principles on how to restore the relationship. Well, the first thing is make an appeal. And Matthew 18, 15 through 7, I'm going to land this thing in the next 10 minutes. I've gone long, but I'm enjoying myself. And I haven't, I missed like 15 preaching opportunities because of Clovis. So I'm trying to catch up right now. Amen. <laughs> zippity doo da, zippity a, come on, sing My, oh, my. Plenty of. Come on, you guys are good. Zippity doo da. Mr. Bluebird on my show. Okay. All right. All right. You're like, what the heck kind of a church am I in right now? A happy one. Don't complain. All right. What to do when a relationship is wounded? Make an appeal. Don't be naive in thinking that time's going to heal it. Listen, time does not heal all wounds. Some of you know that. Just talk to the Hatfields and the McCoys. They still, did you know that? That is America's most famous, what is it called, a feud? People need to get saved, baptized on the Holy Ghost, and repent. Generational anger over each other, generations after generation. Hatfields and McCoys. How many of you ever heard that? It's still going on today. It's like this thing. You know, you got to make an appeal and, and, and repent. And there's, there's a, a lot of different ways to make appeals. But in, in Matthew 18, if people would just do this, 
there'd be a whole lot less problems in families and churches and businesses. If your brother or sister sins, Matthew 18, 15, go and point out their fault just between the two of just between the two. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of you. Not the two of you and Facebook. Not the two of you and your gossiping auntie. Not, not you and, and you understand, just the two of you. First round. The first round is just the two of you. That's round one. Because sometimes don't get resol- things don't get resolved in one round. And it says in verse 16, oh, well, pardon me. If they listen to you, you've won them over. And by the way, it's not about winning an argument. It's about winning a brother. And you can agree to disagree. I'm having that experience right now over the mask thing. I'm having it now. You can agree to disagree. But there are some people that can't agree to disagree. And as a result, that's it. They'll cross you off. You're wrong. You're out. Well, that's a broken relationship. And you need to, those things, it's not God's will to have broken relationships. You all understand. Okay, and it's about winning a brother, winning a sister. It's about saving a relationship. It's not about winning the argument. I know some of you have a hard time understanding that, but it's not about winning the argument. It's about restoring and having a healthy, it's okay to disagree. Okay, verse 16. But if they'll not listen, take one or two others along. Now, these are, these are arbitrators, if you would. These are somebody that can stand in the gap, not some. You don't bring Vito Sarducci with you. Hey, I understand that we're offended. You know, we tried to work it out, and uh, it didn't work. This is my friend Vito, and it's bad. So how do you feel about it now? You think you want to repent now? What do you think? What do you think, Vito? I think you ought to get things right. Thanks, Vito. We good? We good? Oh, yeah, we're good. Great. Awesome. God bless you. You don't bring Vito Sarducci to your argument with the bat. You bring somebody that's, that has your shut-up card that will tell you to stop. Stop. Someone to tell you, you're out of order, calm down. An arbitrator. Somebody that can, can a peacemaker. You, 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 not Vito. If your name is Vito, please don't be offended. Because then we'll have to talk and work it out. And I'm really not against Vito's. I am against intimidation. I am against witchcraft, anger, trying to manipulate people to do what you want because you carry a big bat. Let's move on. If someone has something against you, so you're talking about making a godly appeal. If someone has something against you, look at Matthew 5. i got to hurry. I've got to hurry. It will have keys. That will help me, maybe. Matthew 5, 23. If you go to bring your gift to the altar, let me just stop. That could be your tithe. That could be an offering. That could be your act of worship. That's you bringing yourself to God, period. I say that's everything. When you come before the Lord in your prayer closet at church, it's, it's, it's all of it included. You come before the Lord and remember that your brother has something against you. Verse 24, first be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. I mean, literally, it says that you better, you better fix that thing. I, uh, I've, I've got settings of when periods of times, sometimes, you know, you get it all with somebody. I never get, I, I am never standing here. This is just something God put in my heart. I will never stand and preach God's word knowing that anybody has something against me. Not if I know it. Does anybody have something against you? Yeah, but we're working it out. It's a process. It's not quite resolved yet. But, but I've, I've, I've reached out. I've, I've done my part and I will continue to. My, my wife and I, uh, you know, I know this might be shocking to you, but we've had arguments occasionally. Three quarters of the time, it's my fault and I'm wrong. It's just true, just insensitive. Settle down. Ushers, ushers, security. <laughs> I lost my train of thought, you guys. Come on, where are we? Zippity doo da, zippity ai, my oh my, what a wonderful day. Okay. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, you know, it comes time to preach, and we're, we're still working it out. We're not quite there yet. 
And some of you have seen it. Here we are, we're worshiping, and it's like, I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm giving my gift to the Lord, and my wife's there, and I'm like, I'm not right. Honey, I'm so sorry. She says, you're just saying that because you're preaching. I said, that's true, yes, I am. <laughs> you're just saying that because we're in church and you're worshiping now, and you know you, have to, you know you have to do Matthew 5. I said, that's true, but I still mean it, and I'm obeying the word, so please forgive me. I'm so sorry. She's like, okay. And, and we have what's called the, the anointed pavement. Some call it the magic pavement, but we don't really believe in magic. But it sounds cuter, magic pavement. When you get to church, you're just like, ah, and having an argument. I know, not you guys. You open the truck door, and when the foot hits the pavement, and I'll leave that in the truck and just move on into the church. So sometimes Pastor Karen will wait just a little bit longer because she knows when her feet has to hit the pavement, she has to forgive her insensitive, knuckle-headed husband. <laughs> Talking about healing wounds. Should have made this a whole series. Gosh, is anybody getting anything tonight? All right. So if someone has something against you, if, if you have something against another, this is Matthew 18 again. Go and tell him, two of you, you alone, right? So are you mean to tell me, Pastor Daniel, that if I know somebody's mad, it's got an issue with me, but I don't have an issue with them, but they have an issue with me, that when I come to church or when I pray or I need to get that resolved before I'm coming to the Lord? Yeah. Some of you were offended at each other sitting right here. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever go to somebody and say, are we good? Are you and I okay? Are, are, are you and I okay? You know, Minister Lori leads our whole counseling department, and she is an amazing woman of God, and her husband, Mike, and she has a great ability to communicate, and I love that. And I've at times, at times said things that didn't quite come out right, and I've, I've wounded you. Probably all of my staff, okay? But we're just picking on you right now. <laughs> and then she says, um, you know, can we talk? I'm like, oh, God, what I do again? I tease this out, maybe. And we'll work it out, and you'll forgive me. And, well, there's misunderstanding, whatever. And we have, we have a great relationship. You're a great woman of God. Love you, sis. You're amazing. Now, if you had not done that or we had not worked things out, you wouldn't even be going to church here, nor, nor should you. You can, come on up. You don't want to. You don't have a relationship with somebody who can't forgive or can't flow, who, who's not willing to humble themselves. That's that's no good. He's oh, I'm married to him. Well, you just keep bringing him to church, You'll get healed. You bring, he's not saved. You don't want to come to church. Well, grease his shoes with anointing oil and fast and pray and believe God that that guy can. God can turn the heart of the King Proverbs twenty one one and turn it like a water. Say, well, my. My wife, okay, I understand. We're people. The devil's a liar. You've got to fight to heal these. It's worth, the only thing you can take with you to heaven is relationships. So don't ever, don't ever think it's a little thing. It's a big thing. You're Harley. You can't drag that to heaven. We have just reviewed part one. <laughs> so here we go. Tone, the tone that you use is very important. Use the right tone. Learn to speak soft. A soft word turns away wrath. A soft word diffuses, that's Proverbs 15.1. A negative tone includes anger and defensiveness. I mean, you know, if you were to come and maybe I thought that Minister Lori had something against me, so, uh, hey, Minister Lori, how's it going? We're good, right? Are we good? Because I just want to make sure. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? I mean, like, oh, no, hey, where's Vito? Is Vito with you? Is he in the trunk? Do you understand the tone? Because we're good, right? Because if we're not good, I'm not good with that. Uh-huh. Vito! Do you understand the tone? Tone's very important. Because your heart, you got to make sure you get your heart right before you start bringing restoration and healing. If you don't have that all worked out and you haven't forgiven them and you haven't worked it out, then your words are going to come twisted. Oh. Expressing your appeal. Oh, this is so good. How am I going to finish this? Expressing your appeal with anger, sarcasm, sighs, 
rolling your eyes back and forth. Oh, do we have a problem? <sighs> Again? Are we good? God. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Some of you are like, that's exactly what my teenager does. Do it with the right spirit. All right, here we go. You ready? For those of you note takers, it's going to be tough. Do it with the right spirit, number one. Two, ratio. Healthy family relationships require, please listen to this, 10 positives to one negative. So if you're 10 negatives to one positive, then you're breeding death in your family. 10 positives to one negative. For every negative comment you make, make 10 affirming, positive, life-imparting, loving statements towards them. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord for insight on lack of sensitivity. I'm asking the Lord to help me with that. Ask the Lord for insight on where you're deficient on love. Ask God to show you where you're messed up. Next, ask the person. Ask the person for information on, on where, they've, where they've been wounded. And by the way, I hate this. I just want to tell you. I'm sorry you're offended. Oh, shut up. I'm sorry you're offended. You know what that means? So if I say I'm sorry you're offended, I'm sorry you have such weak character and thin skin that you can't take me the way that I am, so I'm sorry you're offended. That's like no ownership that you actually sinned or did something wrong. Don't do that. Would you please forgive me if I hurt you? That's different. That's not, are you okay? We good? Okay. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Not I'm sorry you're offended. I'm sorry you're offended. That puts it on you and you're like, you know, you onion skin thing. Oh. No, please forgive me if I hurt you. Did I wound you? Did I do something wrong? Because if I did, I, would you forgive me? That's different. Did I? Are we good? Okay, praise God. <laughs> you started watering up right there for a second. I thought, oh. Yeah, I am sincere. Try to be. When I'm full of the Spirit. When I'm not full of the Spirit, my eyes not good. <laughs> Vito! My gosh, this is a preacher that's been bound up in a house for a long time. Uh, okay, you need the practical advice part so we make sure that's not empty. Remember, who loves most wins. Write that down. Who loves most wins, not who wins the argument. Who's the most Christ-like one, you know? That, you, come on. And it's not about winning. I was more Christ-like than you. You weren't very Christ-like, but I am. I'm more Christ-like than you. Oh, stop. stop. See how, how much you can love people. Be willing to yield, you know. Set boundaries. Oh, gosh, I'm so glad I got to that part. Practical advice in relationships. Set boundaries. What do you mean? If somebody's uh, a toxic, if somebody's toxic, I don't allow toxic people on my inner circle. What do you mean? Even Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Not all the disciples were on the inner circle. Some of you, some of you have toxic friends. Tox toxicity in relationship, toxic, poison, poison relationships. I minister to dozens and dozens of toxic, broken people. I'm not saying we don't minister and love them. We do. But they're not all up in my business. They're, they're, they're not in my inner circle stabbing and shanking me at every corner. Do you understand? Some of you are really close with the shanking artist. You need to, like, get away from shank distance, you know. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Minister to them so they can't hit you. Boundary. Boundaries are so important. And when people show that they love you and that they have loving actions and care, then you can start to bring them closer. And that bridge needs to be rebuilt. See, some of you, some of your husbands or wives, the bridge got burned down. And you're like, she doesn't trust me yet. Yeah, you need to build that thing like to here, Slick. And you burned it down so bad that it, that it just might take you a year or two to really show that you're safe. 
well, she should forgive me now. No, she didn't. You were a fool. You burned it down. You need to rebuild that bridge. And I've found with relationships that sometimes we need to build that bridge all the way to here. And then when, they, when you get to here, they realize, well, that's a pretty nice bridge you've built. Wonderful craftsmanship. Okay. And they go the rest of the way. Some of you want them to just meet me in the middle. No, it doesn't work like that. You just love them like Christ loved the church and don't worry about it. Let, leave the results with him. Meanwhile, turn the other cheek, love, pray, send cash, send gifts, send flowers, do everything you can as for as long as you can. You just keep loving on them and celebrating them and honoring them. They don't listen to me right now. It's because you were a jerk and you need to repent and you just get that thing healed. All right. Practical advice. Pick your battles wisely. Don't fight over everything. Don't lose your relational, don't use your, spend all your relational equity on something that doesn't matter for eternity. Good night, that's such a good point. Don't lose all your relational equity on something that does not matter in eternity. Lastly, practical advice, read the Proverbs every day. Read them. One a day, 31 days, read the Proverbs and you'll get relational wisdom. Healing wounded and broken relationships. Did you get something? I've gone long, sang all kinds of Disney songs, and not quite sure where I am right now, but I hope that you receive something from the Lord. It's a message you can go back and listen to and laugh, but we need our relationships healed. Am I the only one? No, I believe that many of you need your relationships healed. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Minister Micah, would you sing some healing relationship song, please? Any, anytime you're ready. Lift your hands. I believe <laughs> you're my healer. Oh, I believe you are all. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. A moment longer and we're done. I believe you're my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus. Jesus, you're all I need. Let me say this to you. The very first relationship you have to heal is your relationship with God. If that remains unhealed, then all of your relationships will be broken. And in the end, you'll stand before God to give an account for your life, and you'll be cast out with a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And God has made a way for you to be forgiven. God has made a way for you to be reconciled. God has made a way to repair. Come on, why we were yet sinners, the Bible says. He came and died for us. Our sin has broken our relationship with God who's righteous and pure and just and he's holy and he's filled with compassion for God so loves you that he sent his only son to die in your place so that you don't have to, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can have heaven as your home. The first and most important relationship in your life is the one with Christ. You must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You must acknowledge the fact that you've lied before, you've stolen before, you've cheated before, you've lusted before, you've taken the Lord's name in vain, you've broken the Ten Commandments. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. You must receive His gift and then be reconciled to the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. And if you've never done that, I implore you, I plead with you on behalf of heaven to be reconciled to God. It's the primary, most important relationship of your life. And if you get that right, then it'll radiate out from there, healing the wounds with your father, with your mother, with your brothers, with your sisters, and with the, your community, with your spouse. You gotta get right with God. It's the first, most important decision of your life. If you've never done that in the closing now of this service, you wanna give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or number two, you wanna make a recommitment because you drifted. You know you're not living for God. Maybe you're living outside of His will. You're living a life that's, that's wrong and you know it. And you don't wanna recommit to God.
You're not as close as you used to be. But you want to come home. You want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Number two, you want to make a recommitment because you drifted. Number three, you're just not sure and you want to be sure. All across this place, every head bowed, every eye closed, people praying online. Come on in Dubai, in Florida, in New York, in California, in Missouri, wherever you are, in Dillingham, wherever you are, bow your head, just you and God. And if let me ask you this question. If you die tonight, if this is your last day for being alive, where would you go when you die? Well, I hope I go to heaven. I'm, I'm, yeah, you can hope, but you can know. The only way to make it to heaven is by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That message is called the gospel. It is the same at the essence of every single evangelical church. And honest fact, if you pin Catholics down, you can get them to say that too. It's true. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world for those who receive him. And he offers his hand to you to make peace, to heal the wounded relationship. You want to receive Jesus for the first time, make a recommitment, or you just want to be sure every head bowed, every eye closed, those online, you say, that's me. Good. I'm going to ask you to have some courage right now. If that's you for real, you're serious, then raise your hand right now. Do it now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over there on that side. Over here on the right side of the church, God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand high. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I ask Holy Spirit now that you would touch, fill. Break every chain. Break every curse. Break addiction. Generational iniquity. God, break patterns. Lord, even within us. Come on, won't you ask God to change you and that anger problem you have. Change that anger problem now. Change that one that's so struggling to communicate with authentically and sincerely. Heal the broken wounds that have been created by our words and the lives of our children and the lives of our spouses. God, heal the wounded relationships. Come on, for just a moment, pray and ask God to heal all your wounded relationships. It's the most important thing. Some of you need to call your mom or call your dad or call your brother. Don't wait. Don't wait because you don't know what will happen. You call and... You call and you tell him that you love him. And you ask him to forgive you if you, if, if you need to do that. You operate at peace. Bring restoration in your relationships. It's, you pray and then you ask God to move and then you do your part. Time won't necessarily heal it. There is a couple of you that need to make the call within the next couple of days. Some elderly friends or perhaps family. You need to make the call. You need to call them. I need to call her. You know, my mother's 80-something years old as she was in church this morning. And if I've heard this once, I've heard it dozens and dozens of times. Oh, your mom's still alive? Tears fill their eyes and they say, oh, you ought to thank God for that. I sure miss my mom. Oh, I kissed and loved on her today. We're all going to go one day. I'm shooting for 120. Heal your relationships. You do your part is the most important thing. And I'll tell you, it is a beautiful thing to have peace with God and with man. Have a no-strife policy. If something gets in there, get it out and repent and change and ask you. Some of you are so insensitive. I can be so insensitive. And all the men said, amen. How come it's just ladies laughing right now? That's not funny. Let me bless you. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you keep me in prayer? 
I'm going, been invited to this uh, church growth conference, and I'm going to go meet Pastor Josh, Dr. Morocco in San Diego. Then I go to our church in Northern California, and I'll be back in a week. Would you keep me in prayer over this next week? It's going to be powerful. Wednesday night, going to be an amazing service. Ladies, register for the women's encounter. And then, of course, Pastor Janelle Morocco, one week from today, going to be amazing. We love you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.